0: Hi, welcome back to So Yellow, a weekly podcast about our experiences as female
1: Asian Americans. I'm Helen. And I'm Cindy. For today's episode, we have Emily Fang, who will be sharing with us her experiences as an Asian American filmmaker and photographer based in New York City. Emily has won several awards for her documentaries, and we are so excited to have her on. So Emily, can you give our listeners a
2: brief introduction about yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm Emily. I'm 22 years old. I'm Chinese. I'm actually Canadian, so I guess I'm Chinese-Canadian. And I'm currently in New York City, but I grew up in Vancouver, where I went to a pretty STEM-focused high school, so I was really good at math and sciences, but when I started taking electives in, I think, 10th grade, that's when I got into film, and that's how I kind of found that I was really interested in storytelling and filmmaking, and then I just continued taking those electives till the end of high school and decided to apply for film school, and that's how I ended up at NYU. I graduated this December of 2019, and. I'm still here.
1: That's really cool you had film classes and electives in high school. My high school did not have any of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, same.
1: Yeah. So what led you to study filmmaking and such in college?
2: Yeah. So when I was in high school, I actually started with photography. I was always really interested in taking like pictures of flowers and landscape. Like When I was little, I would take those pictures with my dad's like Motorola razor. And when I actually got, like, an actual (laughs) camera, I started taking pictures with during my travels and making portraits and headshots of my friends. And then basically I decided to go a step further from still images to moving images. So filmmaking. I just found that, like, I really loved the process of coming up with a story, an idea, and eventually having that idea go from your head into, like, an actual digital video. I really loved reflecting within myself like what kind of stories I was passionate about and what stories I felt like were missing in the world and what stories I felt qualified to tell. I've always been like a really introspective, really emotional person. And I found that those little details that I noticed are like really important in films. A lot of my favorite films have those little details that make the piece so much more truthful and relatable to the viewers. Mm-hmm. That's really cool.
0: Would you say your cultural upbringing has like influenced
2: kind of stories that you tell? Yeah, I think my upbringing has definitely influenced the story I want to tell. Like Growing up, I experienced a lot of kind of similar experiences, a lot of immigrant kids experience, like getting made fun of for their lunches, like feeling shameful about their culture, or trying to act really white to assimilate and not get bullied. And then I ended up kind of distancing myself a lot from my language and my culture, and I feel like film... And reflecting on these stories I want to tell has really brought me back to connect further with my culture and my language and like the experiences that I had and my parents had and kind of thinking about why we fought so much and like what about the world that I grew up in created so much conflict between us. But yeah, you know, like these are all little like experiences and details that I've personally experienced that I feel like people, a lot of people can relate to, which is what I kind of create a lot of my stories around but I also really want to kind of just incorporate my culture as a backdrop to a lot of my stories so that in the forefront I want to emphasize like human emotions just like things that everyone can understand and empathize with whether they relate to my culture or not Mm,
1: yeah so would you say there were any like defining moments or experiences you had that led you to actually want to become a filmmaker
2: Um, I can't really think of one experience that led me to be like Mm -hmm. oh I really want to be a filmmaker I think it was just that after the experience of excelling in math and sciences but also just like feeling so (laughs) meh about it and then experiencing film and feeling like this like passion for storytelling and this like want this desire to make a difference with the stories that I can tell was what really ultimately led me to pursue this so in high school it was such an experience like making these little films and then somehow getting into these like student awards and competitions and having our films shown on like a major broadcasting company in Canada so that was like a really great experience and I felt like well like my the story that I wanted to tell like my vision really mattered to people and people actually want to see it so that's a lot like I always like hope to do that in a larger scale in the future
1: that's really cool that you went after like what you were passionate about so early on and really went for it because I spent a long time studying them and like I wasn't passionate about it at all and then when people would ask me why I wanted to do it or I would ask myself it was like oh I, I want to like please my parents and my family and just like do what makes them happy but i was like not happy at all and so yeah i wish i was
2: more like you (laughs) i just want to say like i also just feel like really privileged in the fact that i was able to pursue that because my parents were supportive and we like were financially stable enough to go to film school and like take that risk i find that like a lot of people i know like they really want to pursue something creative but they felt like they needed to be financially stable enough first to pursue that because like creative world is like not very like at times it's not very like financially stable especially like now in covid it's like really hard to find jobs and stuff so i feel like i totally understand like where you're coming from too and like i don't want you to feel the pressure of of that Uh,
1: was there any like pushback from your parents or like them saying like oh don't do this like i don't want you to pursue
2: this yeah there was definitely a lot of fear that like because my family has no entertainment like industry background um, they don't know. We don't have any relatives in the industry. Like a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers at NYU, they came to film school because their parents were in the industry or like they have family friends in the industry who referred them to NYU or they had like, they went to an arts, like focused high school. But for me, like my parents didn't really know much and they really wanted me to be a dentist or go into medicine. But I just didn't really like feel the passion for it and they were willing to kind of take the risk and let me go to NYU to kind of test it out and we were like open in that like if I didn't like it the first year I could always transfer and I could always pursue a different degree afterwards so they were open to it I think but I also had to make a compromise in like I applied to all my science program I applied to like health science life science programs in Canada so if I didn't get into film schools in the U.S. I would have something to fall back onto. When
0: you were little were your parents supportive of like you doing activities in the arts or did they mostly just have you like focus and stem subjects um
2: growing up I did like I guess piano <laughs> um I piano I did <laughs> me too puma <laughs> so no (laughs) I did like art classes like you know like sketching and stuff but nothing like super creative so when I got to NYU I felt that like I'm like a really academic person just because of my high school so I wasn't like particularly academically challenged but I was definitely creatively challenged because I was not used to having so much creative control and having so many just like options, like what angle should I shoot from? What camera should I use? All these options I suddenly had. And so that was like very challenging for me because I just didn't have that experience growing up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One thing I was going to ask is you said like you're, no one in your family was like in the entertainment industry. So was it hard navigating the film career
2: world by yourself or did you have support from like friends yeah so I had support from mentors professors and friends some of my friends graduated earlier than me so they were able to kind of refer me to gigs that they had that they couldn't pick up or just people that they knew like we always introduce each other to people and jobs and we just kind of network within you know, just each other's networks. Um, I had professors mm-hmm. who would give me a lot of good feedback about my work. I had mentors who I, maybe previous internships, they would offer me paid work after I graduated or even, like, offer me, like, a part-time gig. So that was how I kind of navigated the industry after I graduated. And then other than that, it was just a lot of my own work that I did in school that I tried really hard to like push out and like go to awards and festivals and kind of meet people through that. It's been really hard this year because everything's virtual. So. Usually, we would get to, like, film festivals. You get to go in person and network with other filmmakers. But this year, is very different. It's all been, like, online screenings, So definitely, that was, like, hindering me from doing more networking. But this year, I've also kind of, like, learned to advocate for myself and, like, not underestimate myself. <laughs> I found that, like... Just a lot of people that I know and myself included that we always like tend to, especially women, like we tend to kind of minimize ourselves and doubt our work and abilities. Like we don't apply for jobs that we don't feel qualified for and we have trouble kind of like being confident in our skill set. So I kind of realized that my own fears and anxieties were holding me back from opportunities. So just kind of like reflecting on that and kind of thinking about the reality of the industry you know, I kind of just like learned how important it was to ask for help more often and get out of my own head about doubts and like just know that people are there to help you and teach you new stuff and then advocating for myself, showing off my own work and like putting myself out there for more work because I mean like the worst thing I can do is say no and that doesn't really diminish It's hard to like actually like do it's harder to do than say, but it's like when I say no, it doesn't diminish you as a person or artist, which took me a long time to like fully like absorb. (laughs) There's so many challenges in the industry for women with like all these biases and just like the overall imbalance of women and men in the industry. And yeah, like all my my network, people who refer me to jobs are all women and people of color. We have such a great support system from that.
1: Oh, that's awesome to hear
0: what kind of like stereotypes do you face in this the film world? I
2: guess art in general. I don't think I've really like faced any really obvious or like upright stereotypes. <laughs> that's good.
1: <laughs> it's good that you have to like think about it,
2: <laughs> yeah, because I mostly like just like work with people I feel most comfortable with, like my friends and stuff. I haven't really like gone out of my way to just work with like strangers and older people i work on a lot of like student or newly Mm -hmm. grad like sets and stuff so that has mostly been like great
1: (laughs) that's good to hear (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I like what you mentioned about putting yourself out there and like just applying for stuff and giving yourself that confidence and boost to do so because I think a lot of us are afraid of rejection that's like the worst thing in the world right and so we don't even apply but then like you said like what's the worst that can happen you know if you get rejected if you didn't apply then you also wouldn't get the gig so yeah so I was also curious like what is your favorite project that you've ever worked on?
2: I think one of my most memorable projects was the music video I did for the YouTuber Generation DIY. So.
0: I love her videos.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, so we were friends at NYU. We actually like grew up in the same city. So she was in like communications and I was in film and I offered to like direct and edit her music video. So we collaborated on the story, the ca- camera angles, what shots we were getting, and I got a lot of my film friends on board like Grip, gaff Produce, and all that and it was all women mostly people of color so that was super great and then it was just like we all learned so much on that set because we had such limited resources the only thing we got it was really great that like she had the youtube space to rent for free because of her youtube account so we got experience like we got to rent like equipment and space for free but we also had to like be on our own in like casting actors and bringing props and how exactly we're going to use this equipment to film something and then we did a lot of research on like other videos like to reference how we're going to create the story make this story like come to life and that was my first time really like collaborating with the artists and like kind of balancing our ideas and creating something that we both were proud of. And there was a lot of improvisation on set as well, because we'd never been in a space before. We didn't know how much space there was. And some, like, the angles we were imagining didn't fit in the space. So there was a lot of just, like, on the ground, like, last-minute ideas, changes. But we all had, like, so much fun setting up these different colored lights, rehearsing with the actors, just experimenting with what we had. And, you know, I think we were all pretty proud of what we achieved at the end. And it's just really fun to work with all our friends and, like, make something.
1: No, That's super cool that you got to work on that project. Like, would you say your job has trained you to, like, really adapt to your environment quickly and improvise, like you said?
2: Yeah, there's always something that goes wrong. <laughs> um, so, like, it doesn't matter how much we prepare. Something always goes wrong. So, if I'm directing or producing, like, our role is to kind of lead and make these decisions there's no time there's not really time to like hesitate and be like indecisive (laughs) so there's definitely a lot of just practicing like oh let's go with this and like let's just try this out it's better to like do something than just like hesitate and wait so that definitely takes like a lot of practice and a lot of like projects to work on I wanted to ask
0: like what kind of film do you do you see yourself making in the future like do you prefer um, like shooting for other people or like recording your own independent
2: films currently i work as like a videographer and editor but in the future i definitely want to write and direct my own projects during the last year of school i started like a feature script about a chinese american family who get evicted because they, because of gentrification, basically, and they have to, like, try to figure out their financial situation and, it's, like, a whole journey for them and, like, family stories and stuff. And those kind of stories I'm really interested in, like, showing to the world because I just love kind of, like, slice-of-life stories, like, really truthful, relatable stories. One of my goals in film is to create more empathy and understanding in the world. Because I just feel like there's so much divide in our world right now, created by like ignorance, evil, greed and all that stuff. And I think just watching films and seeing diverse content, diverse people can really help. Like you learn so much about the world through film, about like other people, other cultures, languages from films. And I do believe that like everyone in the world, no matter where they're from, share these human emotions and common behaviors and reactions to these emotions. So like, for example, I don't really understand. I didn't really experience the same upbringing as like the character from Lady Bird. Flavored, but um, I really like deeply connected with her relationship to her mother because I just had like a similar experience with my mother even though we were like even though she's from white Suburban area, and I'm like from this like mostly Asian immigrant area. So like I just really want people to connect. I just really want people to like see people of color, people they're different from, as humans through film, instead of just like foreigners or just immigrants with just like characters and stereotypes. So that's what I want to achieve in my films.
1: <laughs> wow, I love that because I feel like a lot of times when people advertise movies as like oh the first movie with the all Asian cast or something like people. I don't know if it's everyone, but, like, people might think, like, oh, this movie is for Asians mm-hmm. because the cast is Asian. It's, like, no, anyone can watch this. Anyone can relate to their stories if you just give it a chance. Yeah. So, like, I, like, I studied CS, and I feel like in the STEM field, the, like,
0: career trajectory, like, everyone takes, like, the same steps. Like, we take have an internship, and then we, like, start working in the industry, and, like, everything's all set. I was just wondering, like, what it's like for you, because... I, I feel like it's very different.
2: I think, um, in film, there are so many trajectories. There's people from my school who mm-hmm. like graduated, went home, did like a part-time job, not film related, and then suddenly got like a gig somewhere and then they just like worked their way up and now are like creating their own content and like being famous and stuff. And then there's people who <laughs> right out of college win like big awards and go on to win bigger awards and creating more and more content. And then there's people who, like, come out of film school and work in the industry for a couple years and decide to do something else. So it's, like, super flexible, I think, and there's no, like, straight path to it, even though sometimes I do wish there was a straight path so I can just, like, kind of follow it, but it really depends on the opportunities you get, what path you want to take. Like, literally any opportunity can lead you somewhere that you don't expect in film anyone you meet can refer you to a job that you didn't expect like for me I didn't really I don't think I was super into editing when I first got into NYU but because I kind of just like fell into it and enjoyed it and now it's making me money (laughs) so yeah it really depends (laughs) on like it's such like so many coincidences and so many like random connections in film that like take you it just and you can it's also super easy to like not stick with one thing it's super easy to like mm-hmm. switch to other skill sets like so you can go from like if you are interested in camera but you're in sound right now you can like go be like an assistant camera person and kind of build your way up and there's not i think there's so many like it's super diverse in terms of age as well oftentimes especially in indie films some people start super young and some people start a little older and it's all okay. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. yeah that's cool that you can like bounce around if you ever get bored of something yeah. or you don't enjoy <laughs> something i was wondering like how or if the film industry and like you personally have been affected by the pandemic
2: so it's obviously in the beginning everything like shut down there was pretty much no work the film industry pretty much shut down as well like there's no filming allowed and now it's been like slowly opening up with precautions so everyone has to get tested everyone has to wear a mask and that has definitely like slowed down a lot of things because people in quarantine or whatever but it's still definitely coming back now. Personally I feel like it was difficult because I pretty much graduated straight into the start of the pandemic and I just kind of felt lost because everyone's unemployed my friends who had full-time jobs were let go because of it and it was just like really difficult because I had all these like hopes and expectations coming out of school and I was like looking for jobs and stuff like months before the pandemic like really like shut everything down and it was like really disappointing because I was freelancing at this place before we got locked down and I was trying to negotiate like a full-time job (laughs) there but then unfortunately we all got sent home and they just didn't have the resources to hire a new person so that has definitely happened to a lot of creatives during the start of the pandemic, and I think a lot of us are still struggling with it because people are still working from home, and it's, like, really difficult to film, and companies are just losing money. <laughs> but this pandemic has caused a lot of companies to realize they do need, like, digital content and a digital presence, like Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. I mean, maybe not Snapchat anymore, but... <clears throat> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like they a lot of companies have like just realized that they needed people to create content for these platforms so that their presence is online since people can't go into stores anymore mm,
0: that's interesting so like instead of focusing on like hiring people to make films are they like more focused on hiring social media marketers
2: i don't know if that's what's called i do think that there's more opportunities right now for like digital content creation
1: are there any ways that people like us or like any listeners can support artists like you in this time
2: um i think definitely like maybe like be on the lookout especially in groups like asian creative network or like a lot of people are crowdfunding for their short films and they definitely need a lot of help because making films are so expensive that's definitely a great way to support indie artists and just like support for, like, sharing their work, if necessary, you know, stuff like that.
1: So, you mentioned on your website, <laughs> to ask you about the time you went to Havana, Cuba, to shoot document a documentary. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about
2: that? Sure. So, I went to Cuba as, um, as part of a study abroad program, and it was actually such a culture shock when we got there, because I grew up in, like, kind of like a Asian immigrant bubble (laughs) slash like New York, which is like really like a melting pot of like people from all over the place. But in Cuba, because they're kind of in on their own island, they don't have a lot of like outside contact. It's very different there. They're not as, I guess, for the lack of a better word, like woke. (laughs) So it's really common to be walking on the street and they like catcall you Because they just like that's just their culture. But I was really surprised that people made so much effort to talk to us, like because we looked like foreigners, they will like approach us on the street, even though we didn't speak Spanish, and just like kind of using like body language to kind of ask like what we're doing there, and they're so curious and they want to help us find subjects for our documentaries. And it is through like word of mouth that I found the subjects that I made documentaries of, and. Yeah, their stories were super inspiring, and I think because of that, just, like, because my subjects were just, like, random people in Cuba, that just, like, I was really interested in making stories of just the normal, average person, because I think that every, like, no one lives the same life. Everyone has different stories to tell, different experiences that people can learn from, and it's up to, like, people who are interested in these stories to like actually make films about these people and share it to the world and even through these tiny little portraits and films I think people can learn something and I think that's like the power of documentary like it doesn't matter who you are everyone has a story to tell and you just have to tell it the documentarian just has to like tell it truthfully and I think that's really impactful as well
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's so true that everyone has their own unique story. And it's really cool that you gave them a voice. And yeah, like, have you seen the um, humans of New York, I think? Mm. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that like shares like random stories, like just Mm -hmm. like a homeless person on the street or like, anything like, it's just so fascinating to see because everyone comes from like all different walks of life.
2: Yeah, I really believe, like, I can make a documentary about, like, anyone. I can make a documentary about you guys. <laughs> and it'll be, like, people watching. <laughs> everyone just has super interesting stories. Like, unexpected stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you still keep up with the people
2: you made documentaries about? Oh, in Cuba? Um, no, because <laughs> it's really hard to, like, communicate. Because, well, back when I went, the internet was pretty limited. Like, there was really... really most people, I think, in Cuba could not really afford to have steady data access. And for Wi-Fi, you would have to go to these specific Wi-Fi zones where you can connect to it with like an internet card. You have to like log into this website, put in your, put in like the username and password that you purchase from this like Wi-Fi card. So because of that, I didn't really like remain in contact with my subjects, but they, I think they have, yeah, they've seen my films, but I haven't told them about, like, the awards and stuff, so... I was going to tell them with, like, this year's Cuba Study Abroad program, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, they got sent home really early because of the pandemic. Aww. So hopefully in the future, maybe I'll get to visit again.
0: Yeah. Did you get to see their reactions when they watched it?
2: Uh No, because we were, like... Our films were literally due the day before we left <laughs> our flight, so <laughs> oh. we, like screened it for our class and then the next day we had to go <laughs> so I actually like, left them like USBs with the films on it mm. uh, how long were you there for I was there for almost four months I think so that was like oh whoa. I think you it was really like it was very different from other study abroad programs I've heard because a lot of other programs you're like with your school And, like, -hmm. like say, like, NYU has, like, a building in, like, Florence just for, like, NYU students. But for Cuba, we were literally, like, 10 people (laughs) dropped off on the island (laughs) living in, like, a house with, like, a Cuban, like, caretaker. And we would just let go on the island to make documentaries. (laughs) So we really got to, like, immerse ourselves with the locals, talk to, like, the local, like, the Havana university students and make friends with them and, like, go out with them to like their spots and kind of like feel like a loco for a little bit and really understand their culture a lot more too that's
1: so cool like I'm so jealous because my biggest regret in college is not studying abroad like I, I was like oh I'll do it later some later <laughs> semester and the next thing you know we're done <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did, did you like take classes online or something during that time
2: so we took spanish class at the university of havana and then we had like a cuban like cultural history class with this arts foundation in cuba that nyu has like a connection network with so yeah we took i think spanish history and a culture class and then the film class and then something else (laughs) relatable (laughs)
0: that's so cool though do you think you would like to do something like that again
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I love travel. I think my next goal is probably kind of, like, taking a step back and actually, like, interviewing my grandparents and finding out what their stories are because I think, like, at least for me, as growing up, like, in a Chinese family, like, we don't really talk about, like, our histories and our past and, like, deep emotional stuff that makes me and my family just feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> um <laughs> So I feel like I really need to just like be uncomfortable and understand where my grandparents came from, what their stories are, because you never know like how, long, how much time you have left with them. And I don't want to have that regret of like, I don't know how my grandparents grew up and have that question like linger forever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so relatable. I feel like, yeah, like there's a language barrier and then just like the awkwardness of like talking about feelings. Mm -hmm. yeah that's really cool if you actually do that
1: yeah if you make it please send it to me i want to watch it (laughs) of course
2: (laughs) might be in like a year or two
1: (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it would inspire people or hopefully inspire people to also have those uncomfortable conversations with their grandparents and parents because i feel the exact same way like I feel like just no one talks about anything like things like random things come up in their from their history and I'm like whoa I didn't know you like did that and then they're just like so casual about it and then when people ask me like oh have your parents ever done this and that I'm like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know anything basically Mm -hmm. yeah I remember like kids would
0: talk about their parents love stories I'm like I have no idea how my parents (laughs) met yeah
1: Yeah, me either me (laughs) neither People would be like, "Oh, why don't you just ask?" And then I'm like, "No, I can't. Like, I literally can't. I'll die of like uncomfortableness."
2: (laughs) I feel like our parents feel uncomfortable as well. My parents like Mm. don't talk don't talk about that stuff either. Even if I was like Mm. curious,
0: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. probably because our grandparents never talked about it with them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're all just wired to be uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) well that's it for this week's episode of so yellow we hope you guys enjoyed hearing about emily's work and background so emily where can people find you online
2: Uh, you can find my work on my website at emily-fang spelled f-e-n-g dot com and i also just started a photography account on instagram where you can follow me at emily y f f e n g (laughs) so that's my new photography account that i'm trying to develop
0: awesome i will follow you after this episode (laughs) and you can find us on all social media platforms at so yellow if you enjoy what you heard we love it if you left a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of our future episodes until next time bye